This is the Horse Radio Network. This is the Stable Scoop Radio Show, Episode 22, Dressage, Eventing, and Geek Speak. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, where weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail or hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. I am Glenn the Geek. And I am Helena B. And this is the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Hi, Helena. Hello. How are you today? Okay. You know, I forgot to ask you last week. You mentioned that your doggy, what happened with your doggy dying on Christmas. Are you going to get a new one? You know, I will eventually get another dog. Um, Yeah. Not yet. Not Not yet. yet. Your daughter Uh, hasn't been bugging? No, no. Uh, she wants another cat. Actually, she wants a chicken. She wants a chicken. <laughs> yeah, she, most little kids like every Monday, the kids in her kindergarten get to go to the library and pick out a book. <laughs> pick out a book. Oh, no, <laughs> you know they they return and they get it for the week. <laughs> And she picked a chicken book. She, she comes home with some of the most outrageous stuff. Like one, you know, one was basically the development of a chick embryo. This week, it's all about chickens. Um, she's had dog ones. You oh, know, the chicken and the cat get along great right there in the house. Cattle. I mean, it's <laughs> bugs, worms, dinosaurs, and. You know, they're always really like they're books for sixth graders and fifth graders. And she's picking these things out. And I said, Grace, is anybody at the library <laughs> helping you pick out books? Like, what's wrong with the gingerbread man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she really gets a kick out of them. Well, so. she's not, she's what, six years old? She's not really afraid of bugs or anything, is she? No, she loves anything that that lives outside, and she's just not your typical, you know, princess-loving Hannah Montana type of kid. She's definitely not like that. Well, that's funny because she looks cute as a button like she would be that way when you look at her because she's just cute as a button. You know? Yeah, yeah. She, she so, doesn't look like the rugged, rough, tough uh, tomboy type, you know? <laughs> no, she's got that inner core. You yeah. know, outside she looks soft and, and squishy, but inside she's... She's tough as nails. She's going to be so, a guy killer. She, she, God, I hope not. She hasn't been asking for a dog. Um, you know, she's a little, she's kind of wise beyond her years. And, you know, you know, kids that are like this. I think she gets the fact that there has to be a grieving process. Right. Um, I think she kind of understands that. And uh, so she hasn't really been asking for a dog. But you know what? People like us, they find somehow, some way, somebody will come knocking on my door That's with exactly something. That's exactly right. <laughs> you yeah. know, I was just going to say that uh, we have an old greyhound, as I mentioned on the show before. She's about 12 years old. Now, she's still doing pretty good, but you never know. That's actually about two years longer than greyhounds usually live. Yeah. And Jennifer has said, my wife has said, implicitly that the day that greyhound dies we're getting another one because that's the only time you get out of the house is to walk the dog so there will be no grieving period at our house oh yeah sure you say that (laughs) 
you say that. You guys are just as much in in into your dogs as as we are. Yeah, Bam Bam's with us, been with us for a long time. Yeah. Oh, I love Bam Bam, and you know what? She loves me too. Yes, she does. But she stayed at your house. She did, and she mm-hmm. loves saying she didn't want to go home. <laughs> no, <laughs> she she's funny. When we take her, t- we take we have a kennel that I wouldn't say it's a kennel. It's a it's a four star dog resort. Costs us more to keep her there than it does for us to stay in a hotel. And so when we go away, we bring her there, and she just doesn't want to leave when <laughs> when I get there. She's like, I want to stay here. These girls are so nice to me. <laughs> she's very social, you know. Yeah. Bam Bam person, she'd be sort of a, I don't know, like a, oh. Uh, like, she, uh, she'd be on The View. Yeah, you know? she would be at every party and, you know, just yeah. schmoozing with everybody. She'd be at the Paris Hilton of Greyhounds. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that would be Bam Bam. <laughs> All right. And we, we do have a good show planned for you, everybody, today. That We, we failed to mention that part. Uh, yeah. We have a – actually, you know, each show we do, we try and have a theme. Well, this is like the themeless show. We, we really don't have a theme for today. It's just a little bit of everything. Okay. And it'll be a lot of fun. We have we have a, some cool guests planned today, and a lot of them, so we can't talk forever here. But uh, we're just going to call this the show with no theme. But first, we better tell them what is on the show. Right. That'll help. So What's today, on the show? Oh, that's well, my job. Yeah, that's your job. That usually do that. <laughs> I was a busy blabbing, <laughs> la, la, la. All right. So what do we have planned for the day today? We have um, an interview with Grand Prix dressage rider Heather Blitz, who's currently living in Denmark, and she's got some wonderful um, input for us in the world of dressage. And her life. And uh, you know what? Isn't she our first dressage interview, actually? She is. Yeah, I didn't think we had anybody else on about dressage, so I guess it's about time, huh? Yeah, and um, she <clears throat> works very closely with um, Mary Wanless, so we learn a little bit about Mary in this interview as well, which is really cool. Uh, right. So plus we're going to speak with Matt from SiteLogic Marketing, and um, that organization is putting on a seminar for equestrian businesses that some of you will want to know about. All right. And uh, what do you have, Glenn? We've got some more stuff. All right. And before we get to both of them, we have some very exciting news here at the Horse Radio Network. The first episode of the Eventing Radio Show went live yesterday. That's our third show that we're now doing on the Horse Radio Network. Actually, it's the third show that I'm now hosting on the Horse Radio Network. That's enough for a while. This yeah. going to be pretty busy. But I'm very excited about this show. It's all about eventing, just like it sounds. The website is eventingradio.com. Very easy to remember. And I have a terrific co-host that's part of this show. And we'll get her on here, and she can tell you a little bit about herself and, and what we're going to be d- dealing with with the show. we got Rolex coming up, so it's a very exciting time to start an eventing show. And we... I think it's going to be carried on the on the USEA site. The US, United States Eventing Association is going to be carrying the show. That's so that's big. yeah, that's very exciting as well. And it's just exciting fun. It's you know that I am passionate about eventing. My wife used to be an eventer. So I do have a passion for eventing and as you know as well as everything horse, but we thought we would make this our first uh discipline specific show and see how it goes so let's get chris on talk to her a little bit about the show and see what's coming up cool hi chris hi glenn hey welcome to the horse radio network i'm very excited to have you aboard as my co-host for the eventing radio show at eventingradio.com tell us a little bit about the show what what are we going to do what's coming up i know we, we recorded our first episode which is now live that they can go over there and listen to but what's coming up what are, what what's going to happen on the eventing show 
Well, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, Glenn. You know, as we talked about uh, on the show, we, we're going to be really looking very closely at Rolex, focusing on that in the lead up to the event. Um, and uh, looking at some backstories, the organization, the organizers, uh, the changes that are happening at the horse park, of course, with the lead up to not just this year's event, but also the World Equestrian Games. So there's those two very key components to the show uh, for the next 15 weeks. And we'll also be talking to several of the riders. We already have Clayton and Lucinda Fredericks booked and uh, Alison Springer. And uh, also, with, of course, we're starting off with uh, Janie Atkinson, the organizer of the event so for the, since uh, 1984, I believe she took over as the organizer of this uh, four-star event. And she'll be on uh, next week's episode. And these episodes will actually come out on Thursdays. So the 2010 radio show comes out on Wednesday, and then, then the eventing show on Thursdays and Stable Scoop on Fridays. So that's how the lineup will be as far as our shows on the Horse Radio Network. Tell us a little bit about your past and, and uh, why, why you're doing an eventing show. <laughs> well, it's an indulgence, uh, Glenn. Uh, eventing has always been a passion. Well, I... you know what? We knew it wasn't for the pay. So <laughs> <laughs> that, That's right. Ask Helena. Helena, you do it for the pay, don't you? I sure do. <laughs> What's my new title? Executive something or other? Yeah, yeah. We just made her executive vice president today, and I doubled her salary. Well, well, that's great. That's good to know. At least I have something to aim for. Yeah, that's right. I'll give you the title. I'll call you whatever you want. We give oh, three reasons all the time. Yeah. You know, double zero for some reason is always zero. It never works. It never goes any higher than that. This is sounding very much like Monopoly money to me. It is. It, oh, yeah. We're good at Monopoly. <laughs> so I'm sorry I interrupted you. Go ahead. Well, I, uh, as you know, Glenn, I grew up in England um, and was I've been in the horse world since I was knee-high to a fetlock, and uh, eventing soon became my first choice. And I traveled the world literally working for different eventing federation, national federations and with a lot of the top riders and trainers and evented myself and had a training barn. And and so it's something that, uh, you know, of all the disciplines, this one came to the top. It, it It's always challenged me, of course, because we've got the three disciplines all in one. So um, it, it's, a, it's a natural one for me to, to be doing this show. And I very much look forward to it because, you know, as I said earlier, we have so many interesting aspects of, of the sport. Uh, that are taking place right here in Lexington. So I think we, we're going to have a, an awful lot of good content. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully we'll attract a very wider audience to to uh, the Rolex event itself by having a, a radio outlet. Yeah, we should Actually, that it. sounds like a, a pretty good goal and an objective. Like well, I, My guess is that you'd want to attract um, not only eventers but uh, other horse enthusiasts into the eventing world. How do you think you might do that through the show, Chris? Well, I think we have to be, you know, not not just talk to ourselves uh, as as the horse industry is so prone to doing, right. and 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 I think a lot of commentators will admit, you know, they they're so used to using uh, words like, you know, well, it was there's two strides to the coffin, and you know, and that and and they were riding a green horse and they missed. Well, you try and tell that to, you know, the general <laughs> audience. Hey, uh, you try and tell that to me, and I'm lost. <laughs> I, mean, that's just, I, I, I agree with, with you totally, Chris. I think that 
it that that's one of the goals of the Horse Radio Network is to is to appeal to the wider audience, people who who stumble on the show and who maybe had a little bit of an interest in horses, but any one of the shows and Stable Scoop, I think we're starting to develop that kind of audience. The people who have this just vague interest in horses but find the show entertaining and maybe eventually as we cover something that they're really interested in, they'll go out and they'll pursue it. And and I hope that's what we can do with eventing is maybe get some people who who are into other areas of the horse world interested enough in eventing to listen to the show, number one, and then number two, maybe to start participating in it and and get more involved in it. And it is, it does have a lot of, um, it's had a lot of press, unfortunately, negative press this year, but um, it, it's got exposure to mainstream America through the Olympics and unfortunately through its bad press. But, um, you know, the eventing show kind of needs to, to be both things. It has to appeal to the eventers. So you kind of do have to use the right. industry jargon, um, but at the same time, you want to uh, make it accessible to non-eventers. I mean, it's, like you said, there could be somebody out there who's, you know, a reigning rider and uh, you just, you, you never know that they, you might pique their interest and get them involved in eventing. Well, that's right, too. I think we have to use that commonly used word in media these days, edutainment. It is both education and, and entertainment if we're going to appeal to a wider audience beyond its fan base. Right, exactly. And that's, you know, and you are really, I'm not an expert at eventing. I like eventing. I've been to many, many, many events. I've been around eventing, but you're the expert in eventing. So I think that we do make a good pair. You know, you know the deep down stuff. I know it from the surface. So I think between the two of us, we can keep the show that way. Well, I hope so too. And I, you know, I think <laughs> as as the show matures uh, and we get some audience response to um, to the content, then, you know, it will grow and it will begin to feature other things that maybe you and I hadn't thought of, or different dimensions that to, to add more color to it and, and broaden its, its horizons. But um, going back to your question about what we will be doing for the next 15 weeks, uh, we will, of course, be talking about Rolex and, and the, every aspect of the show um, and, I, and also looking at, at some of the new features. For example, Rolex each year chooses four featured riders, um, and we'll be finding out a lot more about uh, how they're chosen and maybe have them on the show at some point leading up to the event. Um, we'll find out more from Janie Atkinson when we talk to her on the next on next week's next week's show. Um, so I think that there are new dimensions and not least of all what is happening at the horse park with that fabulous new uh, stadium that's being built, uh, which will really be state of the art and and we'll cater not just uh, for um, the World Equestrian Games and a large audience, but also for uh, growing Rolex itself, because it each year, as I'm sure Janie Atkinson will alert to, you know, the the, the uh, attendance figures are, are everly, ever increasing. Um, so I think we've got a fantastic venue there in the in the horse park, which is second to none in the world. And I keep reminding everyone I talk to about the uh, the assets and the features of the Kentucky Horse Park, which which are unparalleled worldwide. Well, and I, I, I wanted to mention, too, that I just <clears throat> interviewed 
John Nicholson, who is the director of the Kentucky Horse Park on the 2010 radio show that's now up, the latest episode. And we talked for about a half an hour, and he went through all the changes in the construction and what's on time and what's not and all the cool things that are coming up at the park, so people can listen to that as well. But we're excited to have you as part of the family here of uh, unpaid hosts at the Horse Radio Network. <laughs> and we do it because we love it and we want people to listen. And, and we're just excited to have you on. And we're excited to get this show started. And everybody can listen to the first episode. It's already there at eventingradio.com. And, Chris, we'll talk to you next week. Well, I look forward to it, Glenn. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for being Bye-bye, on. Bye-bye, Chris. You bet. Bye-bye. Enhance your farmer business entrance by getting an affordable, personalized sign at easysignsonline.com. Their unique website utilizes an easy online step-by-step ordering process where you choose the options you want on your sign. Signs for your farm, ranch, business, or home. They do just about everything. Entrance signs, magnetic vehicle signs, great for your trucks, those of you out there with trucks, vinyl banners, outdoor signs, and so much more. Give their website a visit today. It's www.easysignsonline.com or call toll-free 1-800-640-8180. That's easysignsonline.com. Hey, I have to say, I just got a vinyl banner for them for the Horse Radio Network. It just came before we started recording today from the UPS guy, and it is beautiful. It's two foot by six foot, and it has the Horse Radio Network on there and the logo and everything, and it's just great. Is it it in color? Oh, yeah. It's like five colors. Don't you feel like you finally arrived? I know. Now we have our own banner. You know? That's really cool. We are truly geeks. (laughs) I know. We're so excited about the little things. Uh, But anyway, we we have to get our next guest on. This show is going to run really long today. We're glad to have on with us for a few minutes Matt Bailey, who's with SightLogic. And Matt is a sought-after international speaker and trainer. He is the Direct Marketing Association's web marketing expert, and he's also developed a search engine marketing training certification program for them. Cool. So he knows a little bit about web marketing and how to get your website out there. And he is the highest-rated speaker with the search with Search Engine Strategies, one of the largest industry conferences. So let's get Get Matt on here. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? All right, Glenn. How are you doing today? All right. I know I messed up the names, but uh, did I get the gist of it right? You got the gist of it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I always hate doing my bio information when people ask for it. Uh, but, you know, it is important to get it out there that uh, we're not just a, a, a company that's calling up people asking you to do uh, search marketing. I've been doing this for well over uh, 12, 13 years now, and uh, I'm amazed at how many people just – don't get the straight scoop, so to speak. Ah, uh, there, there's, a, there's a stable scoop pun. We yeah. like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's so many people out there. there there's so much bad information about, about what to do with a website and how to market it. And, uh, you know, it just started as a conversation here in our office. We've got a number of people that are horse people. And uh, I've, in one form or another, always been working with horse clients, uh, everything from designer fashions for horse shows to uh, Australian saddles to, you know, you name it. In one way or another, we've always been working with horse websites. And through having some people here in the office that are tied into the industry, we said, you know, let's let's have a seminar specifically geared to the equine industry because we've got a lot of people that know what they're doing. We've got a lot of people that know what they're doing from a web marketing standpoint. Let's put it together, and it just made a lot of sense. 
Well, and let's mention, too, Jackie Baker, who has been the co-host once before on the show when Helena couldn't make it, and she's been a guest on the show a couple times, and who also does the RegardingHorses.com blog, which is one of the most popular independent horse blogs out there, works for Mm -hmm. you, and she'll be part of this seminar, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't do it without her. Uh, You know, just like we were talking about earlier, I think it's important for the people to know that the reason why she has that blog is when a new employee comes to work for Site Logic, uh, one of the first things I have them do is find your passion, find your hobby, and start to blog about it. I want you to have your own website. I want you to monetize it. I want you to market it so that when you deal with clients, you understand their concerns, their passions, their their hesitancies to do things because you've done it with your site. And that's also gives them opportunity to try new things uh, without putting clients in danger. We'll put our own sites in danger <laughs> and, and try new things and, and see what we can do. Uh, but in a very short time, Jackie was able to really tap in to the industry. She's got a great feel for it. She volunteers her time uh, with kids at risk, and she she has taken my own daughters out and uh, taught them how to ride. So uh, <laughs> I trust her in a lot of ways, not just with websites, but with horses as well. <laughs> well, great. Now tell us when this, give us some of the details about the seminar that's coming up that people can attend. All right. It's Mar- Monday, March 2nd, uh, here in Canton, Ohio. And it's going to be a full day, 9 to 4. Uh, we also have accommodations within walking distance. And the seminar will be here in our offices. We've got a large conference room. And we are going to tell people the basics of site development, what's true and what's false, uh, how can you effectively market your website to search engines? And then how do you know if you're successful or not? How do you know if you're doing things the correct way? How do you properly measure what's important and know what to do with that information? Uh, so those are the three areas that we're covering. Matt, one of the things that I find very, very important in any website is usability. And uh, yes. so – the way I look at it is there's there's two ways to make a website more valuable to its owner, and in this case, equestrian business owner. Um, one is the search engine optimization, and then the other – so that's um, the ability for people, for users to find your website. But then do you also talk about how to keep users coming back to your website, i.e. through usability? Absolutely. Though that is the the goals for our business with SiteLogic. The number one thing is to increase – qualified visitors to your website the number two goal is to make those visitors do what you want them to do because uh, simply to get a lot of num- get high numbers of people to your website that's not going to do anything uh, you really don't get paid until they do what you what you want them to do so usability is a very strong emphasis that we place on things because you can combine search engine optimization and and usability and have great results. And when you yeah. make your sites for people first, that's what works the best. Exactly. And that's like the number one rule in any marketing plan is to know your audience. And in this case, you want to know your people. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the, because horse people um, in the past have sort of been behind the technology curve um, and they're new to the whole website thing, 
you know, I think one of the things that I get a lot of requests are for animation or really cool graphics or lots of flash. And <laughs> a lot of times that defeats the purpose. It makes the, the site really hard to use. So when I use the word usability, for, for those of you out there who aren't familiar with that term, it basically means when you get to a website, can you find what you're looking for? Does Absolutely. it work for you? And, you know, as the equestrian business owner, you have to um, keep that in mind when you're working with your web developer. Who am I building this website for? My customers. And that has been a, a – uh, I remember back when we first started doing websites, I had one of the first equestrian retail websites online, actually the second one. And everything back then was huge. You had huge fonts, and <laughs> all the sites were like that, though. There's been a progression over the last 10 years of, of how sites have transformed themselves and the looks. We've gone through phases, and there's been these phases over the years. Uh, thank God we're not still using uh, 40 point fonts and <laughs> <laughs> some people are. Yeah, yeah. those people and definitely need to come you, to this seminar. I know, and you know, I always laugh because you can tell a website that has been done by somebody that's their first website because the tendency is to make everything big. Yep. Yeah. You know that that's the tendency of a, a new web designer is to do that. But you so know this this, this the, the I think this seminar is really worth every dollar because you're going to come away with. Um, uh, guidelines that you can apply to so much more. It's not only your website, but it's just going to change the way you think about how you market your business. So, um, and you know, the web is really, you get the most bang for your buck with it. So I think that it's worth every penny to, uh, to, to sit in and listen to what these guys have to say. Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Because that's our goal for it is, uh, you know, here's, here's two promises I'm going to make. We're not going to sell you anything at the end of the seminar. Uh, the primary reason we're doing this is because when we look at websites in the horse industry, wow, they need work. Yeah. And we just want to help. Uh, we want to help everyone get better. And there are just simple things that you just need to know. How website basic design principles, basic marketing principles, they're things that you could find out if you knew where to look online. But because there's so much information and you don't know what to filter through and, you know, these are things we feel guilty charging people to tell them about, but you need to know. Yeah, They're just things you your, need to know. This is your area of expertise. I mean, it's yeah. just like somebody will go to a lawyer and sit down for that, uh, that lawyer's knowledge or that expertise. You mm -hmm. have a, a similar level of expertise, but it just has to do with, with technology and web marketing. Yep. And so like most seminars, well, we're not going to sell you anything at the end. You are going we, – we promise that when you walk away from this seminar, you are going to have a couple of pages of notes and immediate things that you will apply to your website, and you will see a difference because of it. Well, that's great. All right, and that was March 2nd, 2009 from yes. 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. in Canton, Ohio, which if I remember my geography correctly is sort of in the eastern part of the state. Yep. Uh, and, well, I, good luck with it. Uh, we'll be looking for a report. I actually might take a ride up there and attend this one. So I can see what I'm doing wrong on my websites here at the uh, Horse Radio Network. We You're doing nothing help. wrong. You're doing nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> doing nothing wrong. <laughs> well, we have listeners, so we're doing something right. Uh, if you want more information about that, yep. you just go to webmanshipclinic.com. Okay, and we'll put that link in our show notes, too, at stablescoop.com. But it's web.man.shipclinic, right? Uh, uh, or, or you can just do it all without the dots. All without the dots, okay. Webmanshipclinic.com. All right, we'll put that's great. We'll all the great. links up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, Matt, we appreciate you being on, and we look forward to talking to you again sometime. 
Thank you very much. I look forward to having you up here for the seminar as well. Uh, all right. Tell, Take care, tell Jackie st- she's still on deck. I will do that. All right, good. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Thanks a lot, Glenn and Elena. Bye. We are very excited to have our first dressage guest on the show, Grand Prix dressage rider Heather Blitz. Heather has been in the dressage world since she was in college and was an alternate for the 2006 World Equestrian Games, and she has won or placed in many championships and shows around the world. Hi, Heather. We appreciate you being on the Stable Scoop show with us today from Denmark. Well, no problem. I appreciate you inviting me. You're a dressage rider, and we wanted to get into a little bit about your history and your background, a uh, Grand Prix dressage rider at that. And then we want to talk to you a little bit about what you're doing. You're coming to the United States here next week, and you're doing a tour over here, and we want to talk to you a little bit about that and the, t- the style of training that you do. But first, a little bit about your history. You're originally, I guess, from Kansas. I am. I was uh, not born there, but raised there, and... Um on a farm with my family and was able to have a pony since I was five years old, just as a recreational thing, and um, just grew up sort of playing for the most part. And well, how did a girl from to... Kansas end up in a, as a Grand Prix dressage rider? That's not something grew up in the heart of Western world. <laughs> well, that's true. And I can't say that I started my dressage in Kansas. I was okay. actually Western um, at that point. I was doing a lot of Western events and just having fun barrel racing and pole bending and um, all the other things that to do in, in Western riding and just having fun. And I didn't start uh, any dressage at all until I left home for uh, university in Colorado and started a bit out there with some lessons and some private uh, instruction out there. Although I have a background um, through my mother who rode um, dressage and jumping when she was uh, younger and at Smith College and um, with her history in horses. So I sort of had the influence through her. Um, didn't start it myself until I was 17, that maybe. There just it wasn't available where I grew up. But now it is. Now that I'm gone from Kansas, it's developed <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> but when I grew up there, it was really pretty uh, pretty hard to find. So I just did Western as a thing, fun to do with my horses. And it was fun. I really enjoyed it. So you went to college, and that's where you started into the dressage thing? I did. Um, strictly as a hobby, you know, not with any intention of becoming um, a professional in the field. I went to college um, studying veterinary medicine, and I finished my Bachelor of Science in Equine Science with a, um, you know, a, a background for vet school. But I never applied for vet school because at that uh, at that point, I sort of figured that I didn't know if I had what it took to really stick it out through veterinary school. I kind of kind of thought at that point it wasn't for me, so um, didn't apply to vet school and um, got married, moved to Louisiana for um, my husband to finish school there, and I just started teaching uh, because I had learned a bit at that point, and I was in an area that was pretty information-hungry, and I was able to offer some help. And it just sort of developed from that point that I was somewhat cut out for teaching and um, learned as I taught each student as much as they learned from me and sort of developed that way and liked it enough that it became full-time before I realized it. <laughs> so so do you, right now, you actually live in, in, or do you live in Denmark right now, or are you over there full-time? I have. Coming up on three years now, I've been in Denmark, and I'm, I'm over here because of a, of a horse. 
of course. <laughs> what else is my life about? Right. Um, I was training a horse named Otto, a Danish warm blood uh, that was bred in the U.S. And I was training him for a woman named Mimi Schaus at the point, uh, at that point, and she decided she would like to sell him. So I was um, pretty keen on finding a buyer that wanted me to stay on board because I knew the horse was the quality he was to go internationally um, and potentially, you know, as a as a horse for an Olympic team. And I did find a man who was interested in purchasing Otto and having me train him. And that was a man here in Denmark who did buy him. And I came with him and have been here since. Wow. Now, you've had a, actually had a couple horses that people might recognize over the years. And, and Otto was one of them. Uh, is it Arabella? Is that how you say it? Yes, it is. Yeah. And Arabella is... Um, also, she's also by uh, Rambo, a sire named Rambo, and uh, that's Otto's sire as well. And, and that Arabella was your really, is, that was really, your, Rambo was your first dressage horse, right? He um, was no, my yeah. first uh, Grand Prix horse, yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. I had ridden many before that, and I had actually my own horse that I got to the Grand Prix level, ended up showing him only to the Intermediate 2, and then had to um, stop competing because of a, a ringbone problem he developed. So I had that one, but then Rambo came along. He was actually trained to Grand Prix by a Danish trainer, and he came into my hands. That was my first um, big break into the scene that I could um, start getting the points that earned me a place on the developing rider list and some other U.S. equestrian team uh, training sessions sort of opened the door for me and in the meantime I was training uh, Arabella who was a daughter of Rambo and I'd started her from when she was three years old for her owner and um, just sort of was really a hit between Arabella and me from the from the start so I stayed with her and the owner decided to just keep keep her with me and just pretty much see how far we would get and we got pretty far yeah you <laughs> were the one she was the Sorry. one. What wasn't she the one that you were uh, you were on the reserve team for the last equestrian games for two thousand six? She was yes. Okay. Yep. So she came uh, in. Uh, I guess it was a uh, June of '06. Um, I flew to Europe with her and Otto, and uh, my young horse Paragon, who's now six. So I came here at that point with those three and. Both um, Arabella and Otto are horses that have made it to a, a pretty competitive international level um, and horses that I've made from the start. So um, that's been a nice uh, confidence builder for me that I can make one to that point and feel like it's uh, it really fits in in the international competitive world. Yeah. Tell us about um, your relationship with Mary Wanless and uh, how you work with her and what uh, how she's influenced your your career? Well, let me start with saying I think that she is one of the most underappreciated people in the world. I think she is such a gem that should be much more widely known throughout the equestrian world. Um, I started with her, I believe it was 1994 or so. A student of mine had been to a, um, an annual meeting, I think, for the USDF. And one of Mary's students was there giving a seminar at the symposium, and my student thought it was very interesting stuff. She came back to me and she said, we want to know more about this Mary Wanless stuff, and she sent me to a teacher training course 
given by Mary out in California. And ever since then, I've been completely hooked because to me, the system is so believable and makes so much clear, precise sense with a very distinct language that is hard to misinterpret. And, you know, in many forms of teaching, so many of the phrases that we use, like if the horse is in front of your leg or if you drive with your seat or, um, you know, if the horse is on the bit, so many phrases can be so interpreted in so many different ways. And Mary's system, one of the strengths of her system is that the language is very explicit and it is um, translated to the writer in a way that has the least chance of misinterpretation. Right. So um, it, it's, that's one reason it's very effective. Um, another is that it really approaches changing the horse through changing the rider. And it sounds obvious, but it's not that often that you find a rider who is really thinking of it in that way. And, no, it, uh, it's because it's always so easy to, to blame anybody else but yourself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or mean, for somebody to say, oh, do yes, it. I know that, but then are they actually doing it? And right. for riders to really have the awareness of, of not only what's in their head, but is what in their head does it go to their body, and does it really work? And, you know, are they humble enough to admit that they need to put their hand up and say, excuse me, what does drive with your seat mean? Right. And, I mean, sometimes you feel a little bit like you might sound too stupid to ask a basic question like that. So, um you know, I think it's just a, um, it needs to be maybe more acceptable to, you know, speak in a different language um, in writing lessons and um, to be able to ask questions, to be able to, you know, for the writer to give lots of feedback. And um, those are so, those are just, a, you know, scratching the surface of what Mary's system um, has done for me. Uh, I'd be interested to know in Mary's system, my wife had a coach by the name of Kim Walness. I don't know if you've heard of her at all, but she she actually did more work on the ground with the riders than okay. than, she, than she did on on horseback because she 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 felt the same way. She felt that you got to figure out your body before you ever get on the horse. And it would I know she lost a lot of students because they got frustrated with her because she, you know she she they weren't ready yet. Yeah, maybe the riders just want to get on and do their pirouettes and piaf. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but well, having going from of them. taking something from the taking something that you understand intellectually and translating that to physically doing it, like you said, getting it from your mind to your body is not something that a lot of coaches can help their students do. Um, no. So if Mary does this so well. Um, would you put? Would you say that you are something of um, a protege of hers? Do you look to spread this method out? You know, if she's underrated, do you, are you going to take it upon yourself to sort of spread the word? Because I would love it if I you did. To, yeah, I try to plug this whenever I possibly can. I mean, if it, if I have a mission in life, it's to help out the equestrian world and the horses that are, you know, sometimes not you know, choosing to be part of it, um, to help them out, to help out riders, to help out the horses in the equestrian world by, by getting this to be more accepted that, you know, somebody who, who approaches riding by really helping the rider and their body is not just for beginners who have to learn how to sit. 
you know, it goes so far beyond that that it's um, it's just most writers would have a hard time even grasping the idea at first. Um, it's it's um, I think it's huge. You know, if if it could be more accepted that very sophisticated writers in this way. You know, it's not just about the ones that, oh, they don't know how to write it or they haven't gotten to FEI yet. They have to learn remedial things. I mean, the more the, the more sophisticated writing you need to do, the more details you should really be able to get in touch with. And um, so, yes, I would, uh, I, I don't say that I'm going to be able to do what Mary does, but I can guide people in the in a similar direction and I can definitely send the ones that have um, you know sort of issues or writing challenges that I can't quite sort out Mary definitely can I don't think I've seen in my 15 years of knowing Mary that she's had one person that she can't quite fix unless the writer doesn't want it you know if the writer doesn't have the patience or they don't think it's important of course that one doesn't get it well, but, and, they'll ne- and they'll never get it. And right, they never have, will. Right. We have our next guest. <laughs> We're going to get okay. Mary on here. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, um, well, I think that that would be super. For, for um, yeah, the more we can expose her and her system, I think the better off the, the riders and the horses of the world will be. I really, funny. really believe that. Well, you know, it's interesting because think back, Helena, when we had um, Michael Richardson on, who is a trainer and coach, but he's also paralyzed from the waist down and and that's much the same way he feels he does a lot of western Mm -hmm. but but it's the same thing in that he can't use a lot of parts he's had to adjust to do to really train himself uh, and and he doesn't believe in manhandling the horses in any which way Mm -hmm. Uh, and he just he had just taking that to the next step because of a disability well, you know mm-hmm. what? And to talk about manhandling, I think there is an overall paradigm shift in the way people train and ride horses. That manhandling and, and using force seems to be old school. And I think a lot of people have said, you know, from amateurs to pros, have said I, that old way isn't working. But mm-hmm. what is the new way? What way is better? And there's so many different kinds of ways. Um, I think some of the the things that are working. The new systems that are working, um, it's taken just a little bit of time for those to stand up above all the many different kinds of new systems that, that are out there. So, yeah. um, uh, you know, to see that this particular, Mary's particular program is rising to the top, um, I think that's going to represent the peak of this paradigm shift. Am I making sense? Um, yes, I think so. And I think you're right. I think there is, you know, a, 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 a slow but um, maybe present trend going in, in this direction. Um, you know, if I look out in the the large kind of circle of competitors and other trainers and riders and students that I see, it is happening, but it is slow. <laughs> you know, if there could be something that would accelerate it a bit, um, just make it more acceptable for, you know, maybe a little less risky for people to step out of the norm or, you know, not have to maybe even put it with a name or where it's just some sort of a, a confidence issue with it. But, you know, 
if you can get a few of the basic concepts from the biomechanics or from, you know, the riding with your mind side of things out there and people try just a few of the key concepts, most of them would say, wow, that's so simple and man, it really works. Mm. Um, then they would they would be really, you know, ears wide open, eyes wide open to hear and see more. And um, I think that's what it really takes is just a, a little taste of it for people to ask more questions. And, and um, hopefully the trend continues and accelerates a bit. And, you know, it's true of any sport, almost any sport, 80% of it's mental and 20% of it's physical. Oh, very true. <laughs> I mean, it's true of almost any sport. I played tennis for a long time, and, and that's what we were taught is you, you got to get your head wrapped around it. The 20% is the physical part. That's the easy part. Right. Yes. It, it's wrapping your head around it that's the hard part. Yes, I'm getting your brain to control your body the way that it really needs to and not just the way maybe you think it should. <laughs> right. I would right. love for that to happen just from the house to the car. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking from the house to the car, you're actually going to be on a plane heading over here soon, and this is for a Mind Your Riding tour, right? Yes, my my riding tour is called uh, Mind Your Riding, and it's a um, it's very similar again to a lot of the information that you um, learn in Mary's system. And then, you know, additionally, I have quite a bit of experience um, training horses with a system. Um, Mary's experience is so much stronger with really focusing on the riders and setting them up well, and then they go and um, and do the training. And so I add to the system um, my experience of the hundreds of horses that I've had the uh, opportunity to work with. And I will be landing in um, South Florida teaching there for three days. And then I will be also in Nashville and Houston, then Minnesota near Minneapolis, and then back to South Florida again this time. And that's all through the rest of this month through January, right? That is, yep. Okay. I'll start on the 12th, and I end on uh, about the 29th or so. Yeah. All right, and if anybody's interested in checking you out, there's still openings at the clinics? I think there might be in a few locations, and okay. you can look on my website, which is heatherblitz.info, for um, the, the clinic schedule and the contact information. And um, if there's one near you and you're interested, you could always call and ask. Um, I'm not totally in control or in know of who's full and who's not. Right, right. That's up to the organizers. But it's definitely um, fine to email or call those locations and ask. And, you know, even if you can't get a spot to ride, most of the places have auditing available. And you get a lot of um, insight and information and some good experience from that, too. So auditing is always an option. Well, we appreciate you being on with us today. Let me just ask you one more question: Do you are you uh, shooting for two thousand or for two thousand ten for the games, or depends on a horse? Well, unfortunately, the horse, the, the grand horse that brought me here, Otto, um, has been sold. So <sighs> at the moment, I don't have a Grand Prix horse. So going to the games would be a little difficult. Yeah, that'd be hard um, without the horse. <laughs> well, you can go to the but, games; it just you won't be showing much. Yeah, I might just be in the in the stands cheering everybody on. Um, you never know what happens between now and then. Um, I, I, you know, my eyes are definitely open to opportunities that might come my way. Um, another really uh, interesting ride that I could really click with would be great, but um, can't just uh, snap my fingers and make that happen. So, if it does, super. If not, then um, I do have an interesting young horse that could, uh, you know, be a potential for maybe not Lexington, but maybe in 2012 in London. You know, I got my fingers crossed for that. 
Okay, good. And we'll give you your website again. It's heatherblitz, B-L-I-T-Z, dot info. So if they want to check out your website and see about the clinics coming up or anything else, it's a very good website. It has a lot of information about you and your horses on there and some good videos. So uh, we're actually going to put your video of you riding auto on our site on our show notes so that people can check it out. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Well, great. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Heather. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Well, we appreciated having Heather on joining us all the way from Denmark. That was our first uh, interview from Denmark. We're, we're going to have to keep – I'm going to have to put a map on the wall and put pins in the countries we've <laughs> talked to here. That's a good idea. We can put an online map up. Oh, that's a good idea. I like that idea. Oh, and then you could click on the map and listen to the episode. Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Go for it, Helena. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm really feeling my geekiness today. Yeah, anyway. Well, we talked to Matt. That made us both go into geek mode. So, <laughs> sorry about that, everybody. We were a little bit in uh, webmaster geek mode there. Oh, we were. All right. Be sure to listen in next week as we have another exciting topic for you. And next week, we're going to do a show all about Aiken, South Carolina. Aiken is the new horse capital of the country. It's become the place, and it's it's grown that way, what, over the last five to seven years? Yeah, lots this of is, big names are down there. It's warm. It's beautiful. It's sunny. Land was cheap, which is why it became that way at first. We'll find out next week if land's still so cheap. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to be talking to a lot of cool people next week on the Aiken Show, talking to some of the big names that are there and some of the powers that be in Aiken and talking a little bit about the land values and how it grew up and, and why it is what it is. So stay tuned to that show. That should be a lot of fun. And we, you can find our show notes at stablescoop.com. And we, are, uh, we also have our contact page there, or you can write to us at geeks, G-E-E-K-S, at horseradionetwork.com. Or you can send us a voicemail at 270-803-0025. And we thank EZ Signs Online, and that's the letters EZ, signsonline.com, for being our sponsor. And we'll see you again next week, Helena. And we'll be back with The Scoop. 